you know, bringing in the client journey and uh, doing journey mapping and really changing that whole front end of the process, being much more market in, but much more from the perspective of that through the eyes of the customers, looking at different personas, uh, mapping through different journeys that our clients would need to take, and then building our solution and value propositions from that standpoint has been a very you know, new and different approach uh, within our organization. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Steering the marketing and strategy for one of the largest brands in financial technology is no small feat. Today's guest is Ellen Raftery, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer for FIS. She spent a big part of her career running professional services marketing, and we talk about the special attention and skill sets financial services marketing requires. We also talk about her vision for a 50-year-old brand and what attributes and messaging she uses. Lastly, FIS has been doing a whole lot of work around UI and UX, and in our discussion of that, we tackle the evolution of financial services marketing as a whole. Ellen Raftery is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hey, good morning. I am Ellen Raftery, and I am the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer for FIS. I have been in marketing my entire career and mostly focused in on the technology side of, of marketing, uh, working for many different Fortune 500 companies uh, who, are, who are mainly focused in technology. Uh, my background is in um, professional services marketing, um, straddling across uh, software marketing, services marketing, solution marketing, uh, and really bringing all the disciplines of, um, you know, product all the way to, you know, kind of selling air. So selling uh, actual um, product to selling air and thought leadership. And, uh, and, and my experience kind of uh, fits the gamut in between. And um, I guess a question I have for you is, is now that you're at FIS, when did you join FIS? I've been at FIS for six and a half years. Oh, sorry. Um, so... How has, how has that experience been different from some of the other experiences you have? I guess what I'm asking is financial services marketing substantially different than some of the other industries you've been involved with? It really, it has been. Um, FIS is very much a white label brand. That means that uh, a lot of the, you know, are primarily the products and services that we sell get rebranded, reskinned uh, when we sell them to our clients and then our clients you know, go to market with our solutions, uh, you know, with their brand on them. So it's been a very different um, type of marketing since the brand is important. It's important to the clients that we sell to, but they turn around and sell our technology or, or leverage our technology with their customers. So it's not necessarily a brand that is a household brand or one that consumers necessarily know or understand so financial institutions definitely know who we are but their end users really really don't so that's been an interesting way for us to um you know to build the brand and build the reputation of the company um in the six and a half years that i've been with the company we've expanded our footprint beyond just the financial services organizations primarily um banking in uh, community banking and then into the large financial institutions we've also crossed over into adjacent markets, into more of the commercial side of banking, and also into um, uh, the retail and merchant side um, of the industry and working, uh, expanding into several different uh, industries from there on our payment side of the house. So 
building the brand has been a really interesting aspect of the company because on the financial services side, we're very much white labeled. And um, as we move into some of these adjacent markets, the brand is not as well known. So we've, we've really had to um, focus in different ways to, to build up our reputation in some of those new adjacent markets. Um, and one of the things we like to talk about on, on this podcast um, are some of the priorities around sort of the changing nature of UI and UX. Um, I know you guys are addressing that. Can you talk about some of the work you're doing there and maybe some of the partners you're using as well? Yeah, we've been doing some really fun things in UI and UX. The user experience, uh, you know, obviously is um, the heart and soul of, of where everything is moving. And product development and past has, has very much, um, I think, for many organizations been you know, both market in and, and as well as, you know, kind of company, company out. And uh, we kind of get stuck in old paradigms by doing that. And so, you know, bringing in the client journey and uh, doing journey mapping and really changing that whole front end of the process being much more market in, but much more from the perspective of that through the eyes of the customers, looking at different personas, uh, mapping through different journeys that our clients would need to take. And then building our solution and value propositions from that standpoint has been a very you know, new and different approach uh, within our organization. And so we partnered initially with organizations like The Frog, as well as Digitas have been some of our main partners to help us you know, build up and get moving on the new, more modern user experience uh, aspect, which brings um, you know, both the research aspect, the journey mapping, as well as the digital development. Um, and in working with those partners, we've also been able to build up in-house capabilities. And it's been quite a you know, really fun aspect of the marketing organization to really grow out our skill set in that area and hire new talent that brings in that you know, digital first uh, user experience mindset, working together with both our lines of businesses, so helping them with the development of their um, uh, you know, next-gen um, products, but also applying that same discipline to our marketing. And so we've been able to bring several new, um, or are about to bring uh, to market several new um, uh, value offers for our clients that, you know, really take advantage of this user experience. One being in a tool that is rooted in artificial intelligence and, and bot intelligence where voice-activated and is um, and, and a personal assistant that you know, we will be rolling out to our clients that help them to not only na navigate our company and our products, but also provide some service capability to them. So our user experience team has been working very closely with our technology team um, to develop that tool, and that's a new value offer that marketing you know, will be rolling out with our clients uh, in the next few months. So lots of really fun things like that also are um, client apps which also has some voice features to that, which is connected into our client portal. So it connects into the, uh, the, some of the service capability that our clients generally come to a, uh, a client portal uh, to get information about ticketing and service level and some of those kinds of things. That's now being pushed and, and available to them through a client app that's also voice activated. So a lot of very, you know, kind of innovative um, and some fun new things that we're, we're doing with our user experience team. That's really interesting. And I guess as a, as a follow-on question to that, um, what was the role of user feedback? How, I guess how user-driven were some of those initiatives? 
very user driven. So um, we have uh, several different ways to stay very, very close to our clients. We run um, every quarter, we have a client loyalty study that we do. And so within, um, within a year, a client has been touched at least once through our client loyalty study. It gives us you know, one aspect of voice of the customer. We also run user group meetings on a pretty frequent basis. Um, and we have two uh, large uh, user group meetings for our different uh, areas each year. We use those user group meetings as a way to um, showcase new things to our clients, but also get the voice of the client early in on um, a lot of the development that we do, both on the product side as well as some of these go-to-market initiatives. So those are a few of the ways um, that we um, that we connect with our customers on a regular basis for voice of the customer. But when we have special initiatives like this that are on a um, fairly fast um, uh, roadmap uh, and timetable, uh, then we will tap into some of our clients where we have relationships, both you know mostly where we know that they're going to provide us the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that we're getting very tangible uh, insights into how, how it would be valuable to them um, and gives us insights into you know what some of those journeys will be and so we'll we'll pick out some of the clients um, that we know are um, you know uh, will have um, you know good input for us and put them into you know more of a, um, a mini user group on these specific go-to-markets um, so we're actually pulling them out of their product user groups and pulling them into some of our, you know, next-gen new, uh, new, uh, new offer um, um, focus groups, if you will, to get their insights, you know, as we're as we're developing out uh, some of our ideas. I'm sure you get a ton of information from that. I, if we can switch um, direction a little bit to um, branding and. Um, with the space changing so quickly, I know you know customer de demands are changing, technology is changing. How do you decide on the brand attributes and messaging um, for for such a established brand in the space? Yep, we have um, we have shifted our brand in the uh, few years that I've been here to be more of a purpose driven brand, and that's not just the social aspect of it, but it's really about you know moving away from product feature function and really leaning into what's the, what's the role of our organization what what is it what's the value that we offer to our clients and so really kind of leading into more of a, a purpose um, driven brand we're in the process right now since we've got a major uh, acquisition that we just announced a few months ago and we're getting ready to close on that acquisition we're in the process right now of, of continuing to shift our brand um, to uh, ex expand it into some of the new territory, which is in the e-commerce space and, and um, further deepens our capability in the payment space. But we continue to lean into that purpose-driven, you know, the value that we'll, we'll, we'll um, provide to the client as opposed to really talking about feature functions or talking about the company itself. It's been a, um, a really helpful way for us then to create a, a, a bigger um, umbrella for the company that gives us a a way to tell the story of the company in a much more meaningful way. So as we do lean into some of these um, journey stories that are important to our clients, we have an, a way to connect into the stories, not pushing products or not pushing services, but really showcasing value. 
And many of the client stories that we have to tell around that um, are told in those kinds of ways, those, um, those journey stories that, you know, that allow us to really pay off on that purpose, purpose-driven nature of the brand. In terms of where our brand investments go, we are very tied to, uh, it's kind of, I call it the three R's, reputation, relationship, and revenue. For any dollar that we spend in any one of those areas, it has to translate into um, you know, driving a, a value stream or, or driving a revenue stream so that everything has, is, is not just broadcast branding for branding's sake, that it's uh, actually helping us to build our reputation, deepen our relationships, and getting our story out there in a way where clients are, are um, driving demand for the value that we bring. And so it's very uh, integrated go-to-market, and that's much different than the way we were going to market several years ago. So given that um, evolution, I guess, and how you go to market, um, I'm curious about the marketing mix and, and how you think about channels. We uh, think about channels um, the way uh, any marketer would think about channels, traditional and, and new channels, and, and also developing out some of our own um, channels as a way with the you know advent of um, social media. You know, buying behavior has shifted so much in, over the last few years. Um, buyers are so much more educated today, and they really are, you know, doing a lot more um, uh, information planning, research on that front end of the of the journey, as opposed to waiting for sales to show up at at their doorstep. So we've created some of our our own channels as a way to, you know, help us, um, you know, leverage the traditional, but also, you know, get get in front of them in different ways. Some of the new channels that we've created um, have been um, thought leadership oriented, where we've created our own broadcast publishing channels and have um, a way to get out, not just to those who have subscribed, but um, um, pushing that content out through some really targeted social channels. We've also created our, what we call our FIS store, it's our merchant store, where we have a lot of content that we're putting into that store that allows clients to go through that journey before they, they even hit sales. So they get to solution explainers, they get to downloadable demos, they get to trials, um, and in some cases where the products are fairly straightforward, they can download contracts and actually download and go. And in other situations, because we do sell many complex services, they can get you know fairly educated and then they request more information where we, we then have a more qualified lead and, and bring sales into the equation. So we're doing a number of things to create some of our own owned channels, um, as well as leveraging you know, um, the traditional kind of paid, um, paid and earned channels. That's interesting about um, the evolution uh, towards the own channel. And I guess given that emphasis on, on, on building that channel out, um, did that have an impact on how your team structured? It does. It, it really has impacted how we're structured. Um, in the six and a half years that I've been with the company, um, we've really built out a, a full you know, marketing organization. We, we treat ourselves as, as a business. Uh, I manage the, the group really to very solid um, metrics. And we really you know, um, 
that's something that, you know, I sit down with the CEO every quarter and we go through our dashboard of results and accomplishments. So we're really running marketing as a business. We're, we kind of straddle um, our, our business, if you will, into three categories. What are we doing to, to run? What are we doing to grow? And what are we doing to connect the business? Uh, in that grow category, lots and lots of metrics in there around demand generation, um, social media reach, uh, thought leadership, uh, development, uh, many of those kinds of things. In terms of my organization itself, when I started, um, the group was pretty much an events team and a communications team. And um, over the six and a half years, we've really built that out to be, um, I'll, I'll put it into two categories. One is um, the solution strategy and product marketing team. And then the second category is what I call the in-house agency center of excellence, which would be your shared service function. And so in the solution strategy product marketing area, they, these are leaders that interface with the uh, divisional presidents. They report into marketing, but they sit on the leadership teams of the divisions. Uh, and they really drive um, the category-specific strategic plan for reputation development, relationship, and revenue building. They leverage then the COE, um, the in-house agencies for services. So they would leverage corporate communications. There's corporate brand and digital um, customer experience is a, another one of the centers of excellence. Campaign management um, is another center of excellence. Content marketing. I have the customer market um, and data um, intelligence uh, group, uh, and then I also have a corporate events and trade show group. So that makes up the in-house agency, and those um, centers of excellence uh, support both the solution strategy um, and product marketing team, but they also have corporate uh, level initiatives that we drive um, out, out, of, um, out of the center. So they support both. And uh, everything really in that in-house agency is new with the exception of corporate communication. And on the, um, on the product side, everything on the solution marketing, product marketing is all new uh, in the last six and a half years. And do you utilize external um, agencies as well, I guess on, on specific initiatives? We do. Uh, we've just recently hired a, um, you know, what I'll call a top four or top five brand agency to help us with our next evolution of our brand. Um, we also have a, a partner in Digitas who's been a fantastic partner for us on, on the digital front, um, not just on, um, you know, on the um, uh, solution um, work that we're doing, but also on, you know, on the marketing front on all of our web properties, our portals, our client app, many of those things. Uh, Digitas has been a terrific partner for us. Lippincott is our new brand partner. Uh, we have partners uh, that help us on the um, public relations side of the house. We have strong partners in different regions of the world, given their relationships and their expertise. So we have what we call our corporate partner, who happens to be based here in North America. But then we also have partners um, in the Asia-Pacific region, and then also in our UK-Europe region. Got it. And I think we have time for one last question. Um, this is a question we ask a lot of uh, our guests on the show. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a vibrant organization. you got a lot going on. Um, and you sort of alluded to this in, in your previous answers, Ellen, but like, what's your, what are your biggest priorities as, as, as a head of marketing uh, headed into the back end of 2019? 
uh, our biggest priorities remain on um, really helping the organization grow. Um, in the um, time that I've been here, that revenue generation, um, that partnership with the line of business and partnership with sales to be really focused on where their growth priorities are and making certain that marketing is working uh, as a function that is helping them drive growth. So very, very focused on the targets uh, in our lines of businesses and driving our campaigns through our campaign engine to drive demand um, uh, in, in partnership with them. We generally on an annual basis drive over $3 billion in um, revenue into our pipeline with um, a 60% um, turn rate into one uh, closed business. That's a very, very, very high um, result uh, against industry benchmarks. So we have a demand gen engine that's working very, very well, but that's because we work very closely with our sales organization and keep a really tight link there from campaign to handoff to sales. The other priority for us is really continuing to grow on our transformational journey, continuing to build out our skill sets in new areas. Um, recently brought in somebody who has expertise in artificial intelligence and um, uh, data insights, you know, turning data into knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, paying off in space for us. We're building new tools that are helping sales with white space analysis, helping them uh, look at both internal data combined with external data, both structured and unstructured, that's allowing us to do territory planning and being more efficient, really from a sales operations perspective. It's helping pull client profiles together that are much more effective for executives uh, as they're in front of clients. We just have a lot of initiatives that are going on right now that are um, new, new next-gen kind of things that, you know, where, where marketing is, is adding value value to the business in, in new and different ways. And so bringing in those new skill sets, uh, you know, user experience is all new for the organization. Artificial intelligence, very, very new. Demand generation skill sets, new for the organization. So these are really paying off for us in terms of you know, really running marketing as a business. Ellen, thanks so much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.